1: Today we're going to begin in verse 4, that's where we left off last week, but we're going to deal principally with verses 5 and 7. So if you'll go to Romans chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 4. And as to his divine nature, according to the Spirit of Holiness, was openly designated the Son of God in power, in a striking, triumphant, and miraculous manner, by his resurrection from the dead, even Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Messiah, the Anointed One. It is through him that we have received grace, God's unmerited favor, and our apostleship to promote obedience to the faith, and make ...disciples for his namesake among all the nations. And this includes you, called of Jesus Christ and invited as you are to belong to him. To you, then, all God's beloved ones in Rome, called to be saints and designated for a consecrated life, grace and spiritual blessing and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we dealt with verse 4, and one of the things we said is that the resurrection is a monument to the deity of Christ. But also the resurrection is the place where Jesus had put to death sin, and had done away with death, and had brought forth life. In that place, it is the birthplace of every born-again believer. That's right, every one of you who know Christ was literally born that day with Him when He resurrected from the dead. You know, the interesting thing is that it's always through death that we know life. That's the truth of it. It's through death that we enter into life. Everything that the world puts before us is death. Whether we judge it to be good or bad, it is death. And it takes Jesus in order for this world and the things of this world to be life to us. Because He is the only thing that is life. He is the truth of life. If you've experienced death in marriage, job, school, relationships... What you need is resurrection life because you are not going to know life in anything that you enter into on this earth. You may know happiness, you may know sustenance and provision, but you'll never know life in anything you enter into on this planet apart from Christ because He is life. He gives life, and He is life in every circumstance, in every situation, in everything that you go into. I know if I enter into a situation, if I enter into a relationship, if I enter into anything, my prayer is that I see Jesus and know His life in it. If I don't know His life in it, then it is death to me. You say, well, you you know, I have a successful career. How could that be death to me? If it takes your eyes off Jesus, if it draws you away from the truth, if it becomes your focus and it, it becomes your idol and your image, it is death to you, and you'll come to know it if you're a Christian. Doesn't matter what you enter into. Every one of us that have been married or married know the truth of marriage is that marriage is death apart from Christ. Marriage is not about the right chemistry between two people. Marriage is about Jesus. Because apart from Him, you can have all the right chemistry. You can have all the right things put together. You can live in the nice house. You can have the best budget. You can live however you want to live. But it will be death to you apart from Christ. Because marriage was intended for you to know Jesus in it. That's the truth of all things that we enter into. We know life through death. Verse 5 says, It is through Him, being our resurrected Lord Jesus, that we have received grace. Jesus is the manifestation and the conduit of grace. Now you'll notice that grace in this is past tense. And what that means to us is that we have received all His grace for eternity. He has bestowed on us the unmerited favor of God, not just for salvation. Now this is the key. Grace is not just about salvation, but for life. For every moment we have received grace, the favor of God. Grace empowers us. It empowers us to do all that He has put in us to do. You see, there is nothing that you can enter into and worship the way God designed a new creation to worship and be worshipful in what you do. You can't know it unless you are operating in grace. I want to tell you something, you may not realize this, but for instance, you get distracted by life, marriage, job, school, relationship, and you begin to discover that life, marriage, job, school, relationship starts falling apart. And you begin to find yourself literally experiencing death in all of those things. You say, where's the grace? The grace is the fact that you're experiencing death in those things so that you know the missing element, it's Christ. You see, if you put your hand on the stove, it needs to burn so you'll know to take it off. Grace is us experiencing death. Grace is us experiencing anguish and anxiety when we try to live a life apart from Christ. That's grace. And grace is also when God makes us aware of these things and we can fall forward and get up off our faces and say, you know what, I'm empowered by Christ to know Him in these things. I can bring the resurrected Christ into these things and they will now become life to me. I don't care how bad they are, they become life. Did you know that the Philippian prison was life to Paul? Did you know the beatings that Paul endured were life to Paul? Wow, how does that happen? Because it was through his weakness he experienced Christ's strength. What are you going through right now? It is your grace. His grace is in you and about you because grace is a person. And through him you'll experience his abundance even in the worst of circumstances. Through your weakness you will know his strength. Notice grace precedes apostleship in that verse. It is through and because of grace Paul was to be an apostle. And only by grace could he be obedient to the calling. Did you recognize that? Paul needed the grace of God for every moment of his apostleship. That's what he's saying. He's making the declaration that I am brought forward by grace. It was not my education. It was not my dynamic personality. It wasn't the mission board. It wasn't the things that I'd learned. What brought me forward was the grace of God. Now let me tell you, you are where you are by the grace of God. If you are a child of God. If you are a child of God, it is the grace of God that carries you. And apart from that, it's impossible to be obedient. Apart from the faith in the presence of God, it's impossible to be obedient. Paul says he needed the grace of God for every moment of his discipleship. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul speaking says, but by the grace... The unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am. How is he what he is? By grace. And his grace toward me was not found to be for nothing, fruitless and without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all of them, the apostles, though it was not really I, but the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God which was with me what empowered him, what carried him, what performed the work of the apostle through Paul. Paul worked hard, but it was the grace of God. Grace will never be for nothing when it's accompanied by obedience. I know obedience for many people is a dirty word, but hear me out. Grace will never be for nothing. In other words, it is through obedience that we know The grace of God. Our efforts may not appear to be fruitful, but grace is about the person of Christ ministering through our efforts. It's about us, through the grace of God, through obedience, becoming more intimately acquainted with Him. Knowing Him. Because the Apostle Paul was obedient and yielding to the energy of Christ's life, he could see the abundant grace afforded him in the work. Here's the thing. As Paul yielded himself to the power and the presence of Christ, and he was obedient to what God called him to do. It was in that obedience that he saw the power and the work of God. And the more he went forward in obedience, the more of God he saw. And it didn't matter if that obedience put him in harm's way. It didn't matter if that obedience cost him something physically. It didn't matter whether the world would judge it successful or not. It didn't matter what it was called. It didn't matter what it did to his pride. It didn't matter how it looked to the world. It didn't matter where it left him. He grew in his understanding and relationship with the Lord because that was the point and purpose of everything he entered into he was going to be obedient he was going to go forward that he might know him. That was why he did it. And listen I said this last week I've never regretted obedience in anything that I've ever done. But I've walked away from it many times because I didn't like what I thought it would do to me. But you see when I did that I was more concentrated and focused upon my flesh and I'd forgotten who I was who I am I'm a child of God. I'm made for Him. I'm not made for anything else. I'm a new creation and nothing else suits me. And going forward in obedience is not just something I do for God. It's something that God does for me. Because as I walk forward in His grace through obedience to whatever He's called me to, I find Him there all the more. The abundance of His presence. Because you know what? Here's the n- interesting thing about God. He'll call you most of the time to things that you, that you wouldn't do because they might threaten you. Because you wouldn't feel, maybe not feel successful in those things. Because maybe it makes you uncomfortable. But you know what? He doesn't want you to walk in the confidence of your flesh. He is calling you to walk in the confidence of His life. And obedience is you going forward in the confidence of his life. Todd loved this woman. Well, Lord, I'm not sure I do. And she's been horrible. I mean, have you seen the way she's been behaving? I'm not sure I can love her. Todd loved this woman. Saber, I love you. You know, that suits me. That suits me. I can feel it down to my toes. It suits me. In obedience, it's not my love. It's his love. And if I want to be loved, it's her I need to embrace. The reality of obedience is that it is his gift to us. Here's the thing I love about Paul. Paul was not just out to survive. He wasn't one of those Christians who just labors through life. Farther along, we'll know all about it. What a trial life is. Oh, on Jordan's stormy banks, I'm tired of standing. And cast a wishful eye. That is not what God has called us to. That is not the truth of the Christian life. The Christian life is one that is absolutely ecstatic and passionate about running after Jesus. And the thing that I love about Paul is that he did not worry about the circumstance, he didn't worry about the situation. Paul was out to live. And he spelled life, J-E-S-U-S. And he said, the more I have to lean on him, the more I have to literally abandon myself to his life, the better I know him. And I want to know him. That was Paul. And you know what? You're no different. You're made to know him. Paul abandoned everything in order to gain everything in Christ. And it was all made possible by grace, who is the person of Jesus. I want to read you something Mike Wells wrote concerning grace. And Mike defines grace this way. At my point of need, God is everything to me that I thought he was not. At my point of need, God is everything to me that I thought he was not. Moses spent 40 years being trained to be everything that accompanied being a young man of the royal family. He was equipped to be a god and a pharaoh. He spent another 40 years in the wilderness discovering what he was not. Finally, he was prepared to lead, having realized that he was a not. God told him what to go do, and Moses replied, I am not able. God's response says, What is that to me? I am. I am. God is to me all that I am not. First, I must acknowledge that I am not. Next, he tells me what he is, which includes everything to me, of which I have need, that I am not. I am not a good father, a good husband, a good Christian, a good witness. This is my point of need. Grace comes and meets me at my point of need. I did not think He could be those things to me. However, as I recognize abiding, He is to me all that I thought He was not. There is a life in me, and He is everything to me that I am not. What are you not? Have you yielded that to Him? Because in grace, He is willing to be everything to you that you're not. Here's the problem. We've got far too few knots in our life. I want to be a knot on every front. I've been called, by my gracious mother, a knothead from time to time. And I think the truth is that that's probably a compliment. Let's all be knots. Let's all be knots. What is it that you do best? What are you best known for? It's time to become a knot there. It's time to become a knot so that he can be everything to you in those areas. Look at what you're not. Don't determine to work harder, but call on the grace of God. At your point of need, he's everything to you. You thought he was not. It was through grace Paul received his apostleship. And apostleship in the Greek is apostole, which really means to be sent forth for a specific purpose. Grace was the necessary prerequisite of being sent forth. Verse 5 continues... "...to promote obedience to the faith and make disciples for his namesake among all the nations." Now Paul's getting a little more specific about what God has called him to do as an apostle. But more than that, he's being specific about what God has called him to do with the body of Christ. What he has called Paul to bring to that little body as he comes. To promote obedience. Now understand this. Promoting obedience is not me or some pastor or Paul standing before them saying, You must do this. You must do that. You must do this. You must do that. That's not promoting obedience. If you really want to know the truth, that's promoting lawlessness and disobedience. Because we tend to run away from the do this and the do that, don't we? Here's promoting obedience. Promoting obedience is teaching you the truth of your Heavenly Father and the life within you. Teaching you that through that life you're empowered to go forward in everything that He's called you to do. Promoting obedience is teaching you that obedience is not a dirty word. Obedience is a blessing and you can receive that blessing just by yielding. Teaching you obedience is teaching you the truth of what obedience is so that you know So that you understand. Listen, when our kids were growing up, we told them to do a lot of things and not to do a lot of things. Every one of those things were for their good. It was for their health. It was for their protection. And you know what? As they grow older, they begin to do those things for themselves. Because they realized at some point it clicked in their mind. You know, this works. This is a good idea. At other points, where they didn't listen, they hurt themselves. And they said, you know what? That didn't work. That wasn't a good idea. You see, God doesn't have to punish disobedience. You punish yourself when you choose it. The truth is that obedience is our blessing. Paul was called to teach obedience. Paul was called to promote obedience to the faith and make disciples. The word obedience in the Greek is hupakeo, which literally means to hear under, which conveys the picture of listening and submitting to that which is heard. Hearing or knowing followed by obedience, an obedience that is by faith. It is impossible to be obedient apart from faith. I said that before. Do you recognize that? Apart from faith... It is impossible. Many people try. A lot of people come to church and they make lists of all the things that they're going to do for God. A lot of people, they'll have an altar call and they'll come forward and they'll promise God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But you know that you cannot do any of those things. He didn't call you to do, He called you to be. So that you can allow His life, by its very character, to perform the very things that he's called you to do. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him out. Now, I know this verse speaks specifically about salvation, but I believe its application is a whole lot broader than that. Because it makes the point that God is pleased by only by what is accomplished through His Son, by faith. Now, that applies to your daily living. And it echoes what Jesus said in John 14, Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, obedience is faith, and faith is obedience. Obedience. To be obedient to the faith speaks of the Christian life as a whole. We're not just talking about salvation. And we're not just talking about church attendance. We're talking about living, daily living. Galatians 2.20, Paul kind of wraps it all up in that one verse. We use it a lot here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In Him I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, that is, in obedience, I live by faith, in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. He's speaking of living in obedience. It is not that obedience plus faith equals eternal salvation. It is by grace through faith we are saved. But listen to this. Faith plus obedience in the Christian life equals daily salvation. Faith plus obedience in the Christian life equals daily salvation. Through obedience, we see that His words are true and He is faithful. We see that He is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, that's very simple. Even as an adult now, God puts things in my heart to do. I know it's from Him and I go forward in it. When I go forward in obedience in these things, I see His salvation. Not always, but I know it's there. And when you go forward in obedience, by faith, when you say, by faith, I'm going to walk this day in dependence upon Him, you know how much that saves you from? It saves you from all manner of things that would come against your soul. It saves you from responding to your loved one in a way that's inappropriate. It saves you from acting in a way that would hurt you or somebody else. It saves you from literally living in a way that would... Be death to you. When God puts it in your heart to be obedient in relationships, in your job, in your work, He's given you the opportunity to be saved. Oh, I'm not talking about salvation unto eternity. I'm talking about the salvation of His life in that circumstance. Faith plus obedience for the Christian equals daily salvation. He is our salvation.
0: Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, Visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you.